besties. Welcome back to another episode of Net Worth and Chill with me, your host, Vivian Tu, aka Your Rich BFF and your favorite Wall Street girly. And today we have to touch upon a kind of yucky topic. Everybody's least favorite four-letter word, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun, debt. And I know you're immediately starting to panic. But before you start to feel down about yourself, please know that while debt can be very scary, there are also a lot of strategies to help make it more manageable. I know a lot of finance reporters and educators in the past have had a pretty judgmental attitude about debt, but you are not going to get that here. Do not worry. This is a shame-free zone. But what I don't want you to do is avoid the topic entirely just because it makes you uncomfortable. We all make mistakes and whether your debt is quote unquote really evil scary debt or quote unquote super good debt, I'm going to be able to help you talk through it today. We're going to cover the different types of debt, what you should consider when taking on debt, what it means to have debt, and that it does not mean you're a bad person. It does not mean you're financially irresponsible. And last but not least, we are going to break down how to get your debt in check and how to pay it down so you are completely debt-free if that is something you wish to be. All right, let's get into it. So first things first, I do want to talk about different types of debt. And the most important thing to really be thinking about when you consider what debt something is, is the interest rate. Essentially, how quickly does that debt grow? For example, it's the same concept of compounding that you get in a high-yield savings account. So say you have a high-yield savings account that gives you 4% in annual interest. You have $100 in the account. At the end of the year, you'll have $104 because your money compounded, your money grew. That's great. But compounding also works negatively against you. So think about it this way. Say you have $100 of debt and the interest rate on that debt is 4%, and you haven't paid it down, then at the end of the year, you would owe $104 on that debt. And what I like to do is calculate essentially the tipping point. So I want you to think about the different types of debt you have. So things like credit cards, those might be 20 to 25% APR, meaning That is 20 to 25% annual interest on stuff that you don't pay off, which is why credit card debt is one of the sketchiest, most quickly compounding types of debt because the interest rate is so high. On the other hand, if you ended up taking out federal student loans, you know, when you went to college, odds are good the interest rate on that is probably three to four percent. So yes, the debt is compounding, but it's definitely not compounding as quickly as credit card debt or even maybe a mortgage loan if you were to have gotten that in recent years. So right now, mortgage rates are somewhere in between six and seven percent. So that debt would compound faster than your federal student loan debt. However, I got my mortgage back in 2021 when interest rates were super low. So my mortgage rate actually has a two handle on it. So again, that debt compounds very, very slowly. So that can be considered quote unquote good debt. And the real tipping point is what I like to call the rule of seven. So the 7% rule is essentially a delineation of high interest rate debt versus lower interest rate debt. Anything above 7% is considered high interest rate debt, and you want to make that a priority in paying that down as quickly as humanly possible because that debt is growing very quickly, and if you keep that debt with you, it's going to keep getting more expensive for you. However, low interest rate debt, 
is something that you can continue making payments on, but it doesn't necessarily need to be something that you race to pay off. For example, my mortgage rate, like I mentioned, has a two handle on it. So I think it's two and an eighth or two and a quarter percent. So 2.125, 2.25. And that debt isn't compounding very quickly. So as long as I continue to make the required minimum payments on that, I can stretch that payment period for a while. And that debt is essentially compounding slower than what else I would be able to do with that money on the flip side. And that is exactly where that 7% comes in. Essentially, the S&P 500, just if you were to buy an ETF that tracks the S&P 500, over the past 40 years, it's returned approximately 8 to 10% every single year. And 7% is slightly below that range, meaning that that's the delineation between what kind of debt would grow faster or slower than your money could make for you if you were to have invested it. And this even makes total anecdotal sense because I think about two people who have lots of debt and they live very differently. So I'll give an example. In terms of quote unquote, bad debt, there was a girl in my sorority in college who always had the nicest stuff. She had the fur vests, the beautiful dresses, the Christian Louboutin heels. And one day during our sorority chapter, which is like essentially a weekly meeting, she stood up and asked everyone in the chapter, can you help me cover my sorority dues for this quarter? And people were very confused because they thought that she had a lot of money based on how she was spending. And funny enough, there was another girl in the sorority who raised her hand and essentially said, well, why don't you just sell all of this designer clothing and these designer shoes that you have on Poshmark or something so that you can pay your dues because we don't want to cover that for you because you've put yourself into debt, essentially spending very frivolously. I'm assuming she had put quite a few charges on her credit card. That debt was compounding very quickly. She could not afford to pay off that balance in full. And she had a closet full of incredible clothing, but not much financial benefit to show for it. On the flip side, one of my best friends from college went to medical school and she came from, I would say, a pretty middle of the fairway, middle class family. She had to take out student loans to attend the University of Chicago for undergraduate college. Um, and then she also had to take out loans to go to medical school. And I think at this point, she's probably in a hundred thousand, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt. However, that debt was a pretty big investment in her future of becoming a surgeon, one of the best paying professions and you know, one of the really, really highly coveted jobs that you can't get without having have gone to medical school. In her case, she knows that even though she may have six-figure debt, that debt is student loan debt, which again has a much lower interest rate than a credit card debt. And also that that investment will eventually pay off when she becomes a surgeon and is making multiple six figures a year. She'll be able to pay that debt down as quickly as she would like to and as soon as she can. So again, pretty good food for thought. And now I'd like to get into strategies for paying down your debt. First and foremost, I 100% want to acknowledge that we don't all start life on the same base. And I'm talking baseball. I'm not really sporty, but you get the idea. Some folks are really born into generational wealth. They have parents that help pay for their college educations, that fund their weddings, that help them buy their first home. And debt may not be something that they're even really familiar with. While other people can grow up low income, they may live paycheck to paycheck, they may have faced housing insecurity, and they may have to support their family and friends. And if they're a woman or a person of color, they may just not get paid as much. And that's going to play a massive role in how much debt 
a person likely has and the types of debt that you have and the resources that you'll have to essentially help pay it off. It's important to address these socioeconomic nuances because people shouldn't feel like they're behind just because they have debt. We use the tools available to us to the best of our ability. And I hope that these four strategies help you feel more in control. So strategy number one, the debt snowball. Similar to dieting and eating healthy, paying down debt requires a really big commitment in terms of your mindset. And mindset plays a huge part in being able to get a handle on your debt. So it can feel really overwhelming, especially if you have creditors constantly blowing up your phone. But the strategy is relatively simple. All you have to do is take a piece of paper and list out your debt. If you're in the car, do not do this right now, but do this when you are safely parked somewhere. And essentially what you want to list out is the name of your debt, like the type, essentially how much you owe and the interest rate. And you can do this on Excel too, which is a lot easier actually, because then you can auto sort. But then you're essentially going to rank your debt by how much you owe, smallest to biggest amount. So if you owe $10,000 on your credit card, you owe $20,000 in student loans, you owe $300,000 on your mortgage, you would order them in that way. So you would pay off the smallest to the largest balance. The snowball method works really, really well for people who want like positive reinforcement to stay motivated. And it's a really great way to see early results. You'd essentially make the minimum payment across all of your debt, but you'd put any additional debt pay down funds towards the account with the smallest balance. So this lets you tick off debts from smallest to largest dollars owed. And that means you'll have fewer accounts that you owe on relatively quickly. However, this is not the fastest or most efficient way to pay down debt. For that, we need to move on to strategy number two, the debt avalanche. And this is my favorite debt pay down strategy. I am an Aries. I am incredibly impatient. I want things to happen yesterday. So this strategy works really well for me. Similarly to the debt snowball, this method does require you to take out a piece of paper or an Excel sheet and rank your debt. But this time, instead of ranking from smallest to largest sum owed, you're going to actually rank by highest to lowest interest rate. So again, similar example, if you have a credit card debt that is at a 22% interest, if you have a mortgage that is at a 5% interest, and then if you have a federal student loan debt that is at 3% interest, that would be the order that you paid down that debt. You would make the minimum payment across all of your debts, but you would put any additional debt pay down funds towards the account with the highest interest rate. And essentially this lets you pay down all of your debt in the fastest possible timeline while paying the least amount in interest over time. Because when you focus on the account with the highest interest rate, the accounts with lower interest rates don't compound as quickly. And this is essentially, you can think about this, like paying down your scariest and most dangerous debt first, and then moving on to less aggressive debt. Those are the two main order strategies. But next up, strategy number three, we will talk about debt consolidation. Think about debt consolidation like going to eat at an all-you-can-eat sushi place. So first they bring you some salmon rolls on one plate, they bring you some tuna rolls on another plate, and then they bring you some eel on the third plate, right? And as you're eating the plates, you're eating all three different types of fish relatively equally. But you want to make more space on your table for new plates of 
sushi to come out. So what you do is as you start to eat down these plates, you start to combine the salmon and the tuna and the eel onto one plate so that they're all just taking up less space on the table. So you have more room for more foods to come to you. Debt consolidation essentially lets you combine multiple old debts into one single new one and ideally at a lower interest rate. That way your payments are going to be a lot more manageable and the payoff period will likely be shorter. This strategy is especially helpful if your debt is mostly high interest rate debt, such as credit card debt. So the two easiest ways to do this are a personal loan or a balance transfer card. So with a personal loan, you'd essentially reach out to a financial institution like your bank or your credit union, and they'd essentially agree to pay off your multiple different debts. Then they'd add up all of the totals on all of those debts, and now you'd owe that total to the bank. The benefit here is that credit cards typically charge, again, anywhere between 20 to 25% interest, while personal loans are likely to be much lower. Typically, they hover slightly above or below mortgage rates, just depending on what your credit score might be. That said, this does work best if you have been consistently paying your debt up until this point, as the personal loan that you get from the bank will be determined by your credit score. On the other hand, you could use a balance transfer card. It's essentially where you'd move all of your credit card debt onto a new credit card that would agree to offer you 0% interest for a set period of time, typically around 12 to 18 months. This would mean your debt would not grow during this time. So if you really are were committed to paying off that debt, if you think you could efficiently pay it off, this is a great strategy because it's even more quote unquote affordable than the personal loan because you don't have to pay any interest. However, I'd only recommend the strategy if and only if you are absolutely sure you could pay off the debt before the zero interest period was up, you wouldn't want to roll your credit card debt to a new credit card just to have to pay 20 to 25% interest all over again on the balance in 18 months. And last but definitely not least, strategy for a debt management plan. So if you're facing a mountain of credit card debt, a nonprofit credit counseling agency can set up a debt management plan to cut your interest rate and put you on a repayment plan. So if you're thinking of going this route, look for an agency that's a nonprofit and accredited by the National Foundation for Credit Counseling. This is something that you can very easily find on Google. Again, just Google nonprofit credit counseling agency and National Foundation for Credit Counseling. Your counselor is going to contact each of your lenders to notify them of the debt management plan and make itself the payer on your account. They'll also likely ask for lowered interest rates, lowered monthly payments, or a pause on late fees. Each month, you'll automatically and electronically send payment to the counseling agency, which then will pay your creditors. And you'll also get a progress report each month. This is a great strategy if you need help staying accountable and organized, but... If you're thinking about this and listening, you're like, wow, Viv, this like sounds a little too good to be true. Keep in mind, there are some pretty big drawbacks. If you are in a debt management plan with a credit counseling agency, a big thing to call out is that you'll likely need to live without credit cards for as long as you are in the program. You have to give them up pretty much cold turkey. Most credit card issuers will also require that an account using a debt management plan be closed. So furthermore, while you're living on your debt management plan, it's super important to make 
every payment on time. Your lenders are giving you a lot of leeway. So one missed payment and they may be done with waiving your fees or charging you less interest. So you're going to be walking a fine line. But if you need a little bit of handholding, a debt management plan is a really great way to one, stay accountable and get that debt paid off, but also have a helping hand that can kind of walk you through the process if this is something that is giving you a lot of anxiety or feeling really overwhelming for you. And with that, now that we have covered the four major debt repayment strategies, I want to pivot our conversation to something a little less technical and a little bit more emotionally based and talk about how we as a society see debt and how I really recommend you reframe your relationship, but also just your viewpoint of debt in and of itself. I got a DM recently from a BFF that basically said, you know, I'm in a mountain of debt, every single type, student loan, mortgage, credit card, they had it all. And they were saying things like, I'm bad with money. I'm so ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I'm overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. And essentially the takeaway was that they felt like they were a bad person for having debt. And if you take away anything from this episode, let it be this. Having debt does not make you a bad person. Debt is not morally good or bad. It's just a tool. In the same way that a savings account or an investment account or a shovel are tools, debt is a tool. It allows you to pay for something with someone else's money up front and then access that thing or service ahead of time and then pay it off later. That is fundamentally at its core what it is. That's it. But the problem becomes that we speak about debt very differently as it pertains to people who have money and people who don't. When we see a young single mother with tons of debt, we wag our fingers, we point at them and we say, shame on you, you are so irresponsible without looking for context. Maybe she had to put those groceries on her credit card, even though she knew she couldn't pay off the bill because her children were starving. She had to feed them. That does not make her a bad person. That means the system as it stands is not serving her appropriately. And it's such a stark contrast to how we talk about debt when it comes to rich people, because we don't even call it debt. We call it leverage. And when you see rich investors, rich CEOs using debt to build their businesses or make themselves more money by buying companies or buying real estate, you see it in the headlines of the Wall Street Journal. Uses leverage to buy XYZ. Uses leverage to grow business. Because when they are using their money, we think of it as a tool for them to make more money. And that's great. We put them on the cover of Time Magazine. We call them person of the year. But I think it's really, really damaging to have the narrative be, if you're rich and you take on debt, you're good. And if you're poor and you take on debt, you're bad, because that just isn't the case. Debt is super nuanced because there are so many different reasons we take it on. It is incredibly emotional. And frankly, a lot of the time, it can be predatory. I think it's insane that we let people take on six figures of credit card debt to go to college all before they're able to legally drink, all before they're able to rent a hotel room by themselves, all before they can even get a rental car. So if you're listening to this and you do have debt, please know that you are not alone. So many people are in the exact same boat. You should not feel shame about your debt. It is a part of your financial journey. And just because you have debt, it doesn't mean that you are financially irresponsible or even financially unstable. What is so important is to make a plan. The plan can be, I'm just going to take as long as possible to pay this debt down. If you have low interest rate debt, that's totally fine. The plan can be, this is high interest rate credit card debt. I want to get rid of this as soon as humanly possible. All I'm asking is make a plan. 
Because when you have a plan, when you communicate that plan with a friend, with a partner, with someone you trust, it makes you so much more likely to actually stick to it and do what is best for your financial health. So while debt can be scary, having a plan of attack is going to help you conquer it and you're going to feel more confident and more in control of your financial life. And just remember that having debt does not make you lesser than you are still who you are and your debt does not define you. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I really appreciate it. And I will catch you guys next week. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of Net Worth and Chill. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Got a financial question you want answered in the future? You can leave me a voicemail or text me at 908-858-3410. Make sure to follow me at Your Rich BFF across social media for even more relatable financial content. Special thanks to my team at Audioboom as well as Range Media and WME. See you next week. Bye!